Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Stacking the Box. To subscribe, hit us up on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Here is Stacking the Box. This is Stacking the Box with our NFL insider. Look at him, Matt Verderam, ready to rock and roll. Jeff Schwartz also ready with uh, the controversy is where we start last night. Should all officials in the NFL be taken out to the woodshed and just, uh, I don't know, beaten down in some way that allows them to at least live. But the Packers and the Lions, that's what everyone's talking about, team. Uh, I, Jeff, I mean, you, were, you, you you got some Detroit Lion history. This this had to be painful last night. That game should have gone the way of Detroit. Yes and no, right? I mean, you had 12 guys in the field that negated a field goal that gave the Packers a touchdown, right? I mean, players are always going to lean in the direction of blaming everything but the officiating. But the problem is, in high, impactful situations, we had bad officiating. And I want to reiterate that for the most part, I know I know it's going to sound weird, guys. For the most part, officiating, they do a good job. The problem is with cameras now, with these guys in the booth, we hear more about the bad parts of the officiating. I mean, the pass interference replay review, and I was for this, has really hurt the game. Uh, we are now getting to a point where everyone wants every judgment call overruled, which is not the way it should be. They should get rid of that, that PI review. I would do it this week. I'd go right now and say, we're done with that. We're not doing that anymore. Um, and then maybe you want to do a sky judge to overturn a hands to the face, or maybe uh, you know you, you find 13 guys in the field, you, you call that. But look, there are going to be mistakes in a game that's played as fast as it's played in the NFL. The problem is you hope those mistakes don't happen on primetime television and quote unquote cost the team a game. Look, you know, I, so I'm going to jump in. Like they have NFL meetings this week. The ownership does. Yeah. I am 100% agreement with you. I know everybody always says, you got to wait till the end of the season. Why? Get rid of some of this nonsense. There has been no call overturned, yeah. pass interference, or granted on one that wasn't called on the field in any way, shape, or form since week two. It is a waste of time. They're never going to overturn these things. There have been brutal calls on the field that they will not overturn. They are refusing to do it. So it's a waste of time there. I also agree to an extent with Jeff. Look, yes, I agree about the officials are better than people give them credit for. That being said, how do you miss 13 guys on the field? You know, there was also a play, and we'll get to the game, I'm sure, a little bit later in Kansas City, where Mahomes gets picked off in the end zone. Yeah. There's a flag that goes down during the play. So he thinks he's got a free play, wails it in the end zone, gets picked off. But he doesn't care because it's going to be pass interference. They call it pass interference. 
Then, no challenge comes in, by the way. They get together, and the actual verbatim call was, it's not pass interference. There was action that would be a holding penalty, but we're not calling that either. It's just a touchback. I don't know what that is. I've never seen anything like that, and there are so many examples like that over and over. Hold on a second. I just want to go go ahead, Jeff. I want to talk about that that play real quick because I, I think there's there's they were sort of right but sort of wrong. Okay, they should have called holding on whoever was guarding Travis Kelsey. That right. should have been the call, right? And they ruled basically that the holding occurred after the ball was thrown. So I, I it should have been in pi. I'm glad they called a holding. Now, obviously, there's an argument of whether or not that was before or after the ball, but that's an example I think where it's not as bad as it looked to be on the field. It just when there's a middle of a game happening and you're meeting all the time and you're trying to figure out what happens and you're you're calling against the home team, it's a bad play. It just looks worse than it really was. Um, but again, Matt, and you know this, that, that had really no bearing on the play other than Mahomes, I guess, throwing the ball because he saw a flag. I don't did he throw because of that? I mean, the ball was almost in the air by the time a flag even came out, and it wasn't it was on the guy who was guarding Kelsey, not twelve yards down the field. I think right. it was a bad throw. Oh, I, I, I'm not even arguing it's a bad throw. That was said after the game that he saw the flag and he threw it. Like, but you know what? Yeah. That's just an example of so many things. And to me, I come down harder on the NFL than anything else. Like the actual NFL league body. Because it's impossible to officiate an NFL game now. Everybody's looking for every little thing. Trey Flowers, two different times, hands to the face penalty. Neither time was it a hands to the face He's never been called for that in his career up until Monday night. He gets flagged for it twice. It costs Detroit some points. Look, to me, just stop. Don't treat, you know, when we get to the playoffs, you always see less flags, right? Guys are allowed to play a little bit more. I, I know that's kind of a trope, but it's also true. Just start treating these games true. like they're playoff games. I mean, stop with these ticky-tack holding calls. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Stop with these, you know, guy gets touched 15 yards down the field. It should be one of those things that if it's if it's an obvious penalty, then great, it's a penalty. If you're not sure and maybe it's a penalty, then let it go. Because no, like, I think fans are far more willing to let some stuff go, let the boys play, so to speak, than they are to watch a guy get whistled 15 times in a game. Nobody wants to see that much camera time for the Zebras. Trey Flowers, the Detroit Lions were completely robbed, and that game should have gone the way of Detroit and one, but the Lions can look in the mirror and say, look, we had two drives in the second half that went more than 10 yards. So uh, Matthew Stafford and company, if they'd actually put up some points in the second half, sustain some drives, maybe they win the game despite the officiating. But that was disgusting. And the NFL, you don't need that conversation. You want it to be on the field. Let, let's move on, guys, to uh, three teams that we did not think would be winless the last two weeks. That's the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Rams. And you guys were teeing up the Chiefs. So let's start there. Can't stop anybody on the ground. That offensive line is beaten up, and all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes looks human. Matt Verderam, let's start with you here. How concerned are you with where Kansas City is at right now? Because some holes are definitely showing. Concerned, not panicked. Look, I, I think ultimately they have a couple of benefits going their way. Okay, After they play Thursday night, they get 10 days off. That's going to help Mahomes in that ankle, which has been bothering him since week one. 
I think also that division stinks. The Chargers were supposedly going to be the team that showed up and challenged Kansas City this year. They haven't been bothered to do that. Denver, I think, is better than their 2-4 record, but they got a tough schedule and they already have four losses. And then the Raiders are 3-2, and two, but they lost to Kansas City at home. Their schedule is tough. I don't think any of those teams below Kansas City is cracking 500. So I think for the Chiefs, look, you win 10-11 games, you're probably the two-seed. So I, I think there's there's a lot of reason to just say, look, we got to figure it out by January. We're going to get to January. We just have to figure it out by then. The flip side of that is, look, their defense in my column on Monday, I wrote about them, led with them. I call their defense Chernobyl because it's just one meltdown after they, they just can't get off the field. They can't stop anybody. How do you give up 190 rushing yards to a Texans offensive line that couldn't block the three of us? It's incredible. They don't even offer resistance. And for everybody, there's this Chiefs Twitter argument that, well, time of possession, the reason it's so lopsided is the Chiefs offense hasn't done enough. The Chiefs are forcing a three and out 17% of the time this year. The only team that's worse is the Falcons. So I do think they'll win the division. I do think they'll end up being better as the year goes on. They're going to get healthier. But is there cause for concern? Yeah, because when they see New England in the playoffs, New England's going to run the ball 60 times if they have to. Chiefs had the ball, Jeff, for 20 minutes and 12 seconds. Can't win football games this way. Uh, do you see the Chiefs' defense getting better here, or is Patrick Mahomes just going to have to be Patrick God? Well, one thing that can help right away is Frank Clark playing better. Where is Frank Clark at? Like, where Where's the pass rush at? Where is where's Tyron Matthew at? I, I mean, I don't know, Matt. Has he been as good as or Better than Eric Berry? Uh, he, I don't, I don't know. Been, he's um, been good. Clark has been good against the run, but he's a hood ornament against the pass. He's got one right. sack. So, so defensively, no. And look, I don't know what's happening there. I feel like defensively they were going to be better. But look, they're going to pay Pat Mahomes this offseason. They're not going to have any money to pay anyone on defense. Like they, they better start drafting really well there and figuring yep. it out. The panic meter for me for the Chiefs is a 5 out of 10 still because I think their issues are pretty – let's say the defense out of it. And also – my expectations for the season were different than other Chiefs fans. I thought they lose to to the Patriots again in the AFC Championship game because their defense is so bad. So this is not out of what I thought they'd be. But offensively, Pat Mahomes just needs to get healthy. His ankle is clearly bothering him. He cannot step into any throw. And then you get Eric Fisher back. Like, you get those two guys back healthy, your offense will change back into what it probably should be. Uh, I don't think anyone's figured out the Chiefs. Look, I know this controversial take – but I would take Tyree. I would trade him for, for Jalen Ramsey or Patrick Peterson. The only two guys I'd do it for, I'd go get a defender. I, you don't have draft picks, so I don't think to give up really, right? Because no one's going to want to take an end of the first round draft pick. So you give him a second, third round, Tyree Kill. You don't need Tyree Kill. The offense is fine without him. We saw all season long. Yeah, he caught a Hail Mary touchdown. I feel like Watkins could have done the same thing or Travis Kelsey or, or Robinson, right? Someone else could have done that. Get yourself some better players on defense. I got to tell you, if they traded Tyree Kill, that would be interesting. I I wouldn't. I, I think Tyree Kill just is, is such an important part of what they do offensively. That being said, though, we do agree on one thing. To me, and Brett Veach has been very aggressive. He's been a guy who makes trades. So that, that if you're a Chief fan who wants to see a trade, you should feel good about that. And I think Veach has done a pretty good job with his team overall. But I agree. Like, you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. I, I think you've got to look at this and say this might be the last cheap year of Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey's 30 years old. He's still great, but how many great years are left? I, maybe there's five left. Maybe there's two. So you got to think about it that way as well. And they're going to be drafting toward the back half of these rounds, the very end of these rounds in most cases, as long as Mahomes is upright. So yeah. I'm call, if I'm Veach, 
I'm calling the Cardinals, and I'm basically not taking no for an answer on Patrick Peterson. I'm doing the same thing with Jalen Ramsey, as you mentioned. I'd be calling some other teams. Like, I still think the Chiefs are the second-best team in the conference. I think when Fisher and Watkins get healthy, especially Fisher, they're going to score their 34 points a game. They're still going to be very hard to beat. It's going to be harder to run the ball on them because you're not going to have enough time. But, look, their defense right now is abysmal. I mean, they're, and, it, and right now, to me, it's more just about, about physicality. Like, it's not scheme. They're just getting run over. And I think that's a yeah. harder that's a hard problem to correct at times. And the, and the banged up offensive line too, I think, is a big concern from Kansas City team. Let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys, who everyone had in the Super Bowl about three weeks ago. But now you're losing to the Jets, and that defense has given up huge plays both on the ground and through the air. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott has not been uh, the Zeke that everyone thought he would be. Jeff, what's going on in Dallas in your mind? So I I say this with no humor involved in this. I think Jason Garrett took the offense over from Kellen Moore. Like, I, I think there's no other way to explain the drop-off in play-action pass numbers. They were one of the best, maybe the best in the NFL over the first three weeks in, in play-action pass percent of their offense and success in that. They've been now 17% the last two, last three weeks in play-action pass attempts. Their offense looks bland and boring again, like Jason Garrett took it over. Uh, also, I don't know about you guys, I'm tired of hearing that Dak Prescott doesn't have a lineman there or doesn't have a, a wide receiver. Like, I'm tired of all the excuses for Dak Prescott. Buddy, you got to play well when things don't aren't in your favor, right? Teddy Bridgewater right now is 4-0 at start. Kyle, yeah. Like, through the, you're figuring things out. Why can't the Cowboys figure out how to move and Tyron Smith? So, uh, to me, I'm tired about the, 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 the Cowboys – um, and I'm just disappointed because I felt like they could be a Super Bowl contender. I'm not sure. Yeah, look, I, I look at the Cowboys and just say they beat the Redskins, the Giants, and the Dolphins the first three weeks of the year, and they weren't that good against the Dolphins. It took them to the last 15, 20 minutes of that game to really salt them away in Dallas. So, And I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. I sat here three weeks in and said, look, I think they're the best team in the NFC. And I agree with Jeff. I, I actually have the exact same opinion. I think Garrett got his hands into the offense again. Because there's no reason to think anything otherwise. Look, Matt, Matt Moore, Kellen Moore was doing a fine job with this offense. They went. I wonder if what happened, and I, I don't know this for sure, it's just a, it's a thought. They went to New Orleans. They scored 10 points. They lost that game. And I wonder if Garrett, after that game, said, well, you know what? I'm going to get involved now again because we went out and laid an egg on Sunday Night Football. Look, that is an atypical organization. Jerry Jones is as involved as any owner in the league, for good or for bad, and I think a lot of times those employees in that building feel like we need to adjust quicker than maybe some other teams would. Maybe a team would say, hey, listen, it's a bad game, 10 points, we'll, we'll be okay. Whereas you got Jerry Jones, you got the owner one step over your shoulder. And I think there, there's almost that feeling, of, well, we got to do something different because it didn't work. And now Jerry's here and he wants to know why. Look, they, they need to win on Sunday night. They need to beat Philadelphia in this game. They lose this game, the wheels start coming off for the Cowboys. Well, and also the NFC East, like like you mentioned with the Chiefs and in the AFC West, super weak. Not good. So, I mean, the Redskins are still arguably in the race at, at one and five. Is there a better team in the East in your mind, Jeff? <sighs> I mean, the Eagles aren't terribly great either. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Cowboys are being saved by the Eagles being three and three too, right? What's weird enough is the Giants beat Arizona this week. Giants are in second place in the division. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, 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 don't, 
I like the Eagles, but they, their secondary is a wreck. They need Jalen Ramsey too. They need pass. They need somebody to help them. Um, I, I, I think they're still the best team. I look. I think I'm to win the Super Bowl. Not excuse me, make the Super Bowl. I'm still going to ride with that until I otherwise. NFC's wide open. Well, all right. Speaking of the wide open NFC, the Los Angeles Rams look like a team like they. We're not, I don't know, probably not going to make the playoffs. That is one division that looks super tough. The Rams have lost their last two, and now you've got to keep Tlaib, who's going on injured They've reserve. They've lost their last three. Right, their last three, my bad. Right. And you've got Jared Goff throwing for 78 yards. Have the Rams been figured what? out, and, and where do they go from? Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. This is Jamie from Progressive. Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Shh. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage subject to policy terms. Okay, so th- this to me, of all the three things we talked about, by a mo- by an absolute country mile, it's the biggest concern. As far as I, Dallas, to me, they play in a bad division. They're still talented. I think they should be okay defensively especially, and I think offensively they'll figure it out. Kansas City we talked about. I think Kansas City still has a very good shot of being a two-seed. There's no reason to panic if you have a good shot of being a two-seed. The Rams do not have the luxury of playing in a bad division or a bad conference. Okay, They're two and a half games behind San Francisco, who they already lost to at home. They lost to Seattle on that missed 44-yard field goal by Greg Zerline at the gun. And the biggest problem for the Rams, let's just say it, Jared Goff has sucked this year. There is no other way around it. Like they, Ever since Todd Gurley has not been able to be Todd Gurley because of arthritis in his knee, Goff has not been the same guy. And one thing about him, if you get pressure on Goff, he's a totally different quarterback. He does not like to stand in there and take hits. We saw it last year when they played on Sunday Night Football in Chicago. We saw it in the Super Bowl. He got rattled. He couldn't figure it out. And the book's out. Look, And they lost Roger Saffold, okay, they, they lost Sullivan at center, which I think is a big hit that nobody really talks about. John Sullivan's a really good player. They cut him. Well, guess what? Without him, that line looks totally different. The interior of that line has been a mess. So you're getting pressure right up the gut. They can't offset it because Gurley can't run. So they, all they can do is drop back and throw. And McVay loves to run nothing but 11 personnel. Well, that's great when you're scoring 30 points a game. But every team in the league now has a specific personnel package that's going to come out at the Rams with. Look, I think the Rams can rectify some of these issues, but pressure is pressure. Like Goff is going to get hit sometimes, and if they can't run the ball, teams are just going to tee off. So, like, I think the Rams have real problems. I would not be shocked at all if they don't make the playoffs. They were 0 for 9 on third down in their last game, 0 for 3 on fourth down. That's impossible, nearly impossible to do 0 for 12. The schedule does get easier. Like the Falcons, the Bengals, yep. and the Steelers who are a combined 2-15 and 15 the next three weeks. So maybe they get well in the next three weeks here, Jeff? Uh, they have a chance to do that. I think all the points Matt brought up are, are pretty true about their struggles right now. And you look at their division, you're behind two games already against Seattle and the 49ers, and both teams looked pretty good uh, this weekend in victories. Obviously, the Niners beat the Rams. And the issues they have, look, their, their offensive line is near the bottom in the NFL and run blocking and pass blocking. Um, their defense... Outside of Aaron Donald, who's who's making a play for them? Nobody. The secondary is not making plays right now. There, there's no other pass rusher. So I think they're just kind of void of some talent. Uh, and on the defense side of the ball, and they're just not playing what we thought. There's one team every year 
who is a division winner who does not make the playoffs from the previous year. I, the Bears for that, I might be right on the Bears. Uh, the, the Rams were, were not my pick there, um, but I, I think it's possible that they don't make the playoffs. Well, and, and lastly, too, and I because you mentioned the devoid of talent part of all this. Look, the other thing that has to be mentioned, and it was talked about last year, and then it kind of went under the rug as they went to the Super Bowl. They went out and traded for two corners that they both they thought both guys were shut down corners. Tlaib's been hurt a vast majority of the time he's been in Los Angeles, which is I'm not blaming Tlaib for being hurt, but he's been hurt. And Marcus Peters has been awful. And I don't know whether that scheme, I mean, my opinion is that I think a lot of it has to do with the fact they play a different way Kansas City does. Peters does not play the same way that he played in Kansas City. And a lot of his, his greatness was being able to anticipate. He's a smart corner. But, you know, the, the Rams are asking him to do different things. And Peters has been awful. I mean, he went from being a top two, top three corner in the NFL in Kansas City to being a guy who can't cover anybody for the Rams. So they, they have real issues uh, and I, I think Seattle's for real. They are, you know, Wilson and Carroll. I, hell, I think Wilson right now, I think he's MVP of the league. And, and the Niners, Garoppolo worries me, but the rest of that team, they can play. Shanahan's a terrific coach. He's really good schematically, and their front seven is as good as anybody's in football. By the way, Chiefs got rid of Frank, got rid of D Ford for Frank Clark. Uh, D Ford looking pretty good in San Francisco. Just food for thought. Uh, yeah, we can, if you want to, Hone in on that one, Matt Bertram. D. Ford, if you look at the numbers, what he's put up. First, he has three sacks already. He's got 17 pressures, four sacks, four sacks, 12 hurries, one quarterback hit. Pro Football Focus gives him a 91.1 overall grade. Frank Clark, 56.1 on the overall. He's got one sack, the D's four. 13 quarterback hurries, which is one better. But uh, overall, it has been a mismatch, and that is not D. That D. Ford's not been good. better. They, yeah. could have, they could have just franchised D. Ford. They had more than enough money to do it. And they, they, they could have kept their first and second round picks and decided not to. And look, I, I get it in the moment. I, I think a lot of people felt, and I talked to people I sampled around the league, and everybody said, look, Frank Clark's a better player. Maybe he proves to be. But through six games, he has not been the better player. The Niners have a fantastic defense that is completely different than what we saw last year. And Kansas City, the only difference between their defense this year and last year is the fact they can't get home. They can't touch anybody. They led the league last year in sacks. They're not leading anything this year. Great to be getting some tailgate party tips from a legend, a three-time Super Bowler, and look at him, ready to eat today, member of the cast of Ballers. Mark Schlereth, good to see you, my friend. You look like you're you're hungry and ready. Hey, absolutely. Always hungry, always ready. You think the Pats' defense is, A, the best in the NFL and, and the best one they've had in the, in the Brady-Belichick era? Well, you know, I mean, I'm I, right now they're playing as as good as anybody. You know, the crazy thing about the Patriots is they just out execute people. You know, if you looked at them and said, "Okay, well, name the best pass rusher they have, or name the best uh, linebacker they have, or name the best um, you know uh, uh, safety they have," like I think they are, they have excellent players. They've got excellent players, but I think what sets them apart is they're the best coached and they execute better than anybody else. They just don't make mistakes. And what they end up doing is they end up forcing you into more mistakes than, than they're ever going to make. And, um, and to be that tied together and that you know to be able to communicate like that is what sets them apart, both offensively and defensively. It's why they're the best year in and year out. Um, it's amazing to me, too. It's just amazing that they can do this every year. That 
response kind of opens up the who's more important to the Patriots, Brady and or Belichick, kind of like the vegetable to the Hidden Valley Ranch that you got working on out there. Right. What's your answer on that one? Well, I, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, the thing that amazes me about both of these individuals is they're not sated by their success. 18 years, this is the 19th season together, I believe. 18 years, nine times they've been to the Super Bowl winning six of them. I mean, it's unheard of. And to not be sated by your success, which is kind of human nature, is phenomenal to me. But I will tell you this, Brady is amazing in that in year 19, he still allows his coach to coach him as hard as anybody on that team. And if you can coach Brady, if you can yell at Brady in team meetings, if you, t- if you can say, I can get a high school quarterback from Foxborough High to do what you just did right there, and you're allowed to, you allow him, you, you give him permission to coach you like that, well, then there's nobody that's above that type of coaching. And I think that's what dials them together. So it's hard to separate the two, but, um, but I think Brady has given him the authority to coach everybody hard and to hold everybody to that standard. And I think that's one of the keys to their success. Yeah, no, no question about it. When you, when the best guy is allowed to be coached, like that, everyone's got to fall in line. Hey, Mark, are, are the Packers the best team in the NFC? I, you know, interestingly enough, I think they're they're outstanding. They're still trying to figure out what they are offensively. So I, I think that's still a part of it. I think what New Orleans is doing right now without Drew Brees is amazing. Like, to go up to Seattle and to win in Seattle, um, a tough place to play with your backup quarterback, um, you know, to consistently be able to win with your backup quarterback as your, as your starting quarterback in Drew Brees is coming off that thumb injury. And I think what people don't realize about the New Orleans Saints is how physical they are, that they want to. Sean Payton, as much as they throw the ball and as good as they've been at throwing the ball, Sean Payton at his core wants to run it, wants to beat you up physically, and they can do that on both lines of scrimmage. Like, their their defense is outstanding as well. So um, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't pick the Saints um, being able to weather the storm of an injured quarterback. When he gets back, I, I still think the Saints are, are a team to beat in the NFC. Interesting. If you could have one quarterback right now to win the biggest game, who are you taking? Is, is Pat Mahomes at the top of your list yet, or are you still perhaps waiting a little bit to see a little bit more from the young QB. Yeah, well, I mean, Pat Mahomes is ruining quarterbacking for every young quarterback in the NFL because he becomes the guy you compare to. And um, he's a unicorn. Like, you can't, you can't compare Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's just a freak show. Like, um, when, when he poops, he poops out uh, Rainbow Sherbert. I mean, for crying out loud, he's a straight-up <laughs> unicorn. And so all these young quarterbacks get compared to him. It's not fair. Because he is just a absolute freak show. But if it comes down to winning one game, I mean, how, how do you ever go against Tom Brady in the last? I mean, he wins in the last drives of the Super Bowl. He was down twenty-eight to three and in, deep in the third quarter of a Super Bowl, and they come back to win that that game. And he throws for over five hundred yards, I believe. I mean, that's the guy I would take a hundred out of a hundred times. Yeah, fair enough. Let's all hope we see that matchup in the AFC Championship game. Uh, are you a buyer or seller right now in Baker Mayfield? Um, see again, young quarterback right now, uh, I'm a bit of a buyer, but I think it's the Cleveland Browns in general. Like you can fortify your team with a boatload of talent and talent's wonderful. That's awesome. Um, but character and sacrificing for one another in in the team concept, that's what wins football games in my imagination. That's what wins championships. When I played for the Washington Redskins and Joe Gibbs, he used to say this all the time. And I believe it. 
He said talent will make plays in the first three quarters. Character will win you a game in the fourth quarter. And, you know, there was so much hype involved, and I think everybody in that organization bought into the hype. I remember Baker Mayfield in the preseason saying, hey, uh, the hype is real, people. You know, stay tuned. And, and I just don't think it's the right way to approach the ultimate team game. So, um, yeah, I just think they're kind of overhyped. So right now I would be a seller. And speaking of the Redskins that you just brought up, Mark, you got a recommendation for who they should have as their head coach, assuming they don't stick with Bill Callahan going forward? Yeah, well, they should have, uh, you know, they, I mean, in 2013, they had Sean McVay, who's 3-2 and two in the league right now, play his team played in the Super Bowl last year. Or they could have had Kyle Shanahan, who is 5-0 and oh right now for the San Francisco 49ers. He was on that 2013 staff, but, you know, that wasn't good enough. They could have had uh, Matt LaFleur. He's 4-1 and one right now for the Green Bay Packers. He was on that staff, um, but that wasn't good enough either. Listen, they get what they deserve under that owner. Um, that owner is the one constant with that franchise, and they have been abysmal since he took over that franchise. And so I don't care who you, who you appoint as the head coach. He'll never empower that head coach. They'll never be successful under his ownership as long as that's still the philosophical approach of the organization. Let's wrap up. You've done a ton of Bears games this year, Mark. We're watching you in Chicago. Mitch Trubisky, are you selling Trubisky right now? I mean, are the, better, are the Bears better with Chase Daniel? I don't think I don't think so. I think Mitch Trubisky is an exceptional athlete. Remember, he only played. I think he started 13 games in his college career. Like, I like. There's a lot of growth that he still has to go through. A lot of understanding at the line of scrimmage. Like, it's a complex playing the NFL is complex. And like I said, you know, um, a guy like Patrick Mahomes ruins everybody's kind of progression through uh, through the ranks at the quarterback position. But no, I wouldn't. I, I'm not selling. I'm like, I'm not selling Mitch Trubisky. I think he can still play. Um, they've got an outstanding defense, although you didn't see it in, in London against Oakland because Oakland, you know, absolutely thunderstruck him right in the mouth. But, um, but I think they'll be fine. I love the head coach. I love, uh, I love, you know, his positive attitude and the way he is trying to uh, groom his quarterback. So, you know, I, I still think you control line of scrimmage. They've got to run the ball better than they have. They've got to play better up front than they have. So, um, that's part of taking a pressure off of a young quarterback, and I think they know that um, in Chicago. I don't think there's any question about that, so I wouldn't sell Mitch Trubisky. Tailgate party tips, Mark Schlereth. What are you eating on that table first? Uh, me? I'm going to eat the chili because there's uh, the, chi- the, the white chicken chili is, uh, come on, that stuff. How, how are you ever going to go wrong with that? Yeah, uh, there's, there's no doubt. Hey, Mark, thanks for the time. Appreciate the knowledge. Great to see you. All right, take care. Good to see you guys. It's time to place your bets. Let's move on, team. Let's place our bets as we get into our gambling segment here. And uh, the odds and numbers courtesy of the Action Network, great to be partnering with them. And we will start with the Chiefs and the Broncos uh, on a three-and-a-half-point road favorite is Kansas City. But uh, Denver's been playing better football. They've won the last two weeks, and they really should be better than 2-4 and four overall. Uh, Matt Verram, we start with you. The over-under is 49, and again, the Chiefs favored by three and a half. I wouldn't touch the over-under. I think Denver's going to cover, and I'm going to pick Denver outright win the game. The Chiefs just have to show me they can stop somebody. I mean, at some point, and it's a short week on the road in a very hard place to play. For anybody who says, oh, Denver's not that good, fine. Denver's, Denver's an average to, to below average team, but Denver's defense has been lights out the last two weeks. 
And you know Philip Lindsay, they are just going to run and run and run. And until Kansas City shows any ability to stop that, why would you pick against it? The only thing in this game that does give me a pause on that pick is Garrett Bowles is one of the worst offensive tackles in football. You have got to imagine they are going to get Frank Clark on him over and over and over. If Clark's ever going to have a breakout game, this could be it. The other thing is, and Jeff, you can speak this more having played in the league, of course. There's a sh- Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Short week in some ways almost helped Kansas City that they don't have time to stew on these games that they just have to go out and play football. I wonder if in some ways that just helps them mentally. But for now, I'm definitely picking Denver to cover, and I think they might outright win the game. Um, I would take Denver to cover here at the three and a half. Um, I, I don't know if it helps KC, honestly. I mean, the, the issues aren't really like film watching. It's just being better at your job. I'm not sure what, like putting the game this week behind. They got to go out in just a couple of days and get this done. Being sore, being tired, being beat up. Um, I'll take the points here with Denver. I, I, I just think possibly they could lose this game. Interesting, uh, courtesy of the Action Network, your team. 23% of the money on the point spread is on Denver. So you guys are both in the minority, which, by the way, I enjoy being in the minority when you're placing your bets. So yes. perhaps you can feel good about that. Over-under at 49, 29% going on, can, on the over and 71% on the under. So people are expecting this game to be low scoring. You mentioned Philip Lindsay. Uh, he's been over 100 yards one time this year, Verderam. It, it, oh, it, it's going to be the second time. Yeah, the Chiefs have given you, up four straight with they, 100 plus. It's when you watch them, and Jeff hit the nail on the head. Look, I know people say it's not great analysis. Sometimes it's Oakham's razor. It's just the the right answer. You watch them on film; they are just getting blown off the line of scrimmage. They're in the wrong run fits. They can't tackle. I'm not joking. If I was McFanjo in this game, the first drive. I would line up with Janovich and Lindsey in the backfield, and I would just run the ball at Kansas City every single play until it's fourth down. I don't know that they'd hit fourth down. I really, I would try to break Kansas City's spirit the second the game gets underway, especially because look, I, Flacco, he's he, he's Joe Flacco. Like if, if I'm Denver, I am looking for him to have 20 attempts and under in this game. I think they can win if they do that. Bradley Chubb being out in this game though does hurt. Because, Jeff, a guy you know a little bit about, Mitch Schwartz, your brother, he has been fantastic in his career against Von Miller. So I'm curious to see, will they switch Miller around? They move him around. If they had Chubb, they'd have it coming from both sides. Now they don't. So that is one big injury on Denver's side. We can move on. Yeah, obviously. Go ahead, Miller Jeff. Will probably end up going over, Miller will probably go over Cam Irving if he wants to. I would imagine that that will be the matchup, and the Chiefs will be chipping yeah. to no end. Let's do the Cardinals and the Giants teams. Uh, New York is a three-point favorite at home. The over-under is 49-and-a-half. Uh, this one, of course, a uh, little little rookie quarterback love going on here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rolling with Kyler Murray myself. But, Jeff, let's start with you. Who do you like with the Giants and the Cardinals? Um, I would take the over here. I'm not a big fan of overs. I'm not actually sure I bet a single over this year. But if we're looking to take a pick in this game – uh, both defenses not very good. 
Uh, Arizona's been better in the red zone lately. They had a lot of trouble with that. Um, I think that both teams score a lot of points. This is like a 35-31 type contest. I'll take the over here. 72% take it the over, courtesy of the Action Network, Matt Verderam. I am on the over as well. I am also on the Giants in this game, and I'll tell you why. It's an early game on Sunday. The Cardinals have come all the way across the country, and the Giants have an extra three days off. I think there's a lot of things playing this for the Giants. I do think the Cardinals right now are actually playing pretty well, beating the Bengals and the Falcons. I don't know how much you can put into that. But uh, I think look, Danny Dimes, uh, a rough one last week. not so much the last couple of weeks. So I do think he plays better here. I do think you know the, the fact that the Cardinals have to come all the way across the country, I think that matters, especially playing an early game. So... I like the Giants to win and to cover, and I like the over. Speaking of traveling across the country, the San Francisco 49ers headed to Washington to face the red-hot Redskins, baby. <laughs> 49ers are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, and the number on this one is 42. Verderam, you go first here. 83% picking San Francisco, according to the Action Network. What do you got? Yeah, they could have to fly to Australia, and I'd pick them to win this game. Look, the, the Redskins are awful. Awful. If, if the Dolphins could have converted a two-point conversion at the end of the game, they would have beaten them. So give me the Niners. The, as far as the point spread goes, like, I, I could see maybe a backdoor cover. I just don't know if the, the Redskins could score 10 points in this game. So I am going to take the Niners to cover, although I'm not overly confident about it. I do think they'll definitely win the game. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Uh, I think it's too early out. I'm going to look at this, but I, I'm a big fan of betting uh, team total unders for uh, pretty poor football teams. And I'm thinking with Washington, you're looking at this as, as maybe a, a team total under here where um, you know they have an opportunity to not score a lot of points. Those typically are not out as we record this on a Tuesday. So I would lean toward taking the Niners here. Again, um, this is a weird sandwich-ish game for the Niners, right? Like they just, they just had a big emotional win. I think they played a decent opponent next week. But I think Washington is so bad. To Matt's point, it doesn't really matter. Their total is 14.5. I would for sure take Washington under 14.5 points. Uh, that would be my that would be my play in this game. Um, I think 9.5 is a weird number, and uh, I, I like I just think Washington's not going to score at all. I like that little letdown from the former NFL player Jeff Schwartz there, and I actually will take the Redskins to cover, just throwing them the car two cents in here. I love the Redskins receiver, too. Terry McLaurin, the third-round pick of, out of Ohio yes. State. That's been a nice pickup for Washington. Maybe the best receiver they've had there in a long time. All right, let's move on. Baltimore and the Seahawks. Uh, hey, both a contender right now to take the whole damn thing. Seahawks are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at well, home. To take, to take what, the Super Bowl? Why not? Baltimore's not taking the Super Bowl. If, if Jackson doesn't run for 150 yards, but he, he did. Yeah, but yeah, against the Bengals. Dark horse candidate, AFC, never know. There is no – listen – they're, hey, they're going to win that division. Who, they have no shot of beating New England in a playoff who's game. New, who's New England beating? I'm just Nobody. Like, New England's still in their preseason. Right? But that's Baltimore, Baltimore, they're off. They they freaking suck. They, <laughs> Lamar Jackson plays great against everyone that sucks. Every time they play a good team, they, they, they totally are, are awful. I don't even know if you answered this yet, Matt. I have to jump in there and, de- and defend you a little bit here. Um, I'm taking the Seahawks here, minus three and a half. Hope the, hopefully the yes. number gets to three and get it even better. The Ravens are not going across the country and beating the Seahawks and running this this offense. They have Pete Carroll will eat this offense alive. And the Ravens' defense has not been very good. 
expect Russell Wilson to eat them apart. I like the Seahawks here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I can't even play this yet in the Super Contest. But I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it right now and mentally lock it in. No, I, I am totally with you. Look, last week I came on here and shouted from the rooftops that Seattle covering over the Browns was my lock of the week. There was no chance Cleveland was covering that game. And it, it, I had to sweat it out for a minute. But they did uh, cover, in fact. So Seattle held up there for me again this week. Jeff already said they got to come cross country. I think that matters. The other part of this is look, the Ravens have beaten nobody. The Bengals, the Steelers in a game. Frankly, they shouldn't even have won that game. They should have lost. They beat the, they beat the Dolphins and they beat the Cardinals at home in a six point game. They went out to Arrowhead and got got absolutely boat raced up until a couple of hail marys made it close in the fourth quarter. I look at that Seattle game. Russell Wilson is what people want Lamar Jackson to be. Right, like to, Wilson to me is the MVP of the league right now. Also, by the way, Jerron Reed coming back for this game. If you don't know who he is, give him a Google. He is a tremendous defensive tackle. He is going to be a very hard player to run against. If Jadavian Clowney in that front, Bobby Wagner. This is a mismatch, both schematically and in talent. Action Network, fifty-one percent of the money on Baltimore right now. The over/under in that game, fifty and a half and the, the number three and a half is very interesting especially the way you guys are just dogging the Ravens but let's move on Eagles and Cowboys the Cowboys are a three-point favorite at home 71 percent of the money is on Philly right now on the spread 49 and a half points is the number people expecting that to go over by 83 and 83 percent Verderam what do you got you know what I will go under in this game I will go under because Philadelphia's biggest weakness is outside receivers well Amari Cooper's hurt and who else is beating you on Dallas. Who's doing it? Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb? Prescott hasn't played well the last three weeks. I don't think they're going to run the ball very effectively against the Eagles. So who's beating them? But on the flip side of that, I also look at the Eagles and say, okay, well, Peters had an injury last week. He's one of the best. He's a Hall of Fame player, right? So how healthy is he? You've got a very good defense in Dallas. I expect Dallas to be very proud in this game after losing to the Jets. To me, this game screams like 20 to 17. I don't think you're going to see a ton of points in this game. Who's winning this one, Jeff? Wait, so I, I get get Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett. Is that those are my options there? Um, yeah, I'll take the Eagles plus three in this game. Uh, I know all the public is on the Eagles. Typically not a bet that I like to tail there, but uh, I think the under match is a great play as well just to be something different than you. I think the Eagles here plus three. You get a better quarterback, the better coach. Uh, right now, the healthier lines at the moment uh, as well. So I think Eagles, I don't know if they win the game, but I'll take the, I'll take the, the cover. All right, we wrap up, place your bets with the Patriots at the New York Jets and New England still rolling with uh, playing the NFL garbage. A 10-point favorite here. The money is on New England at 67%. The over-under 43, so people are not exactly all over that uh, Patriots offense having a major rebound. Jeff, we start with you. Well, looking at it right now, there's a little line movement, reverse line movement heading to the to the under. Um, I, I would I would take the under most likely. I'm a big fan of, of betting unders. I will say this though, I'm almost a bigger fan of taking home dogs. Um, and I I also don't bet against the Patriots. So I'll just take the under. The under's fine. Take the under. I'm not betting against the Patriots. Uh, I'm not doing it. You don't win any money that way. So give me the under here. I feel fine doing that. I, I also believe in the under, but I'll take the Jets to cover this game, and here's why. Look, here's here's the dirty secret in the NFL right now. The Pats' offense is not good. Like, not good at all not good. I, they, they cannot move the ball 
for huge stretches of time. Now, they, oh, the second half, they played better. But you look at that Giants game. The Giants defense is atrocious. Well, the Pats scored 21 points offensively in that game. And this is with a defense that constantly is giving them the ball back. There's going to come a game where they're not going to get a turnover, where they're not going to score 14 points on special teams and on defense. Now, look, I want to be clear. I think the Pats win the game. But I think it's one of those, like, 23-16, you know, Jets kind of hang around with Darnold. Gase has given the Pats problems in the past. So I do think that the Pats win as they continue their parade through the MAC. Okay, but I, I do also believe the Jets cover what is a pretty big spread for a home team in a primetime game. Time to bring in Teron Davenport covering the Tennessee Titans, ESPN.com. Matt Verderam talking to Teron. Now we want to welcome in Teron Davenport. Teron, a good friend of mine, also an excellent reporter over at ESPN covering the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, Teron, let's kick it off right off the bat. You know, there's not a lot to talk about with the Titans unless, of course, you want to talk about the biggest news, in my opinion, of last week. Marcus Mariota gets benched in the second half for Ryan Tannehill. Nobody scores a point either way. Your thoughts, were you surprised at the benching, and do you think it's permanent? I was not surprised at the benching just simply because of the fact, I mean, if you look at that performance, it was bad. And it was not just Mariota. You had issues with offensive line. You had issues with the receivers not getting open. Collectively, it's it's just terrible. They have to get it together. So uh, Mariota was off on a few throws. There's no mistake in that. So basically what Vrabel was doing, he was looking to get some type of spark. That defense, I mean, I talked to Kenny Vicar. You know what he told me after the game? He said, it's almost like we have to be the 85 versus 2,000 Ravens. And if we're going to score a lot of – we're going to have like zero, zero ties and so be it. The offense, you know, needed to try to get some type of spark on offense, and it didn't happen. Even going to Tannehill, they went into the red zone twice, but they came away with zero points once again. One touchdown in two games. It's terrible. People will say that Mariota hasn't been given an opportunity with five offensive coordinators, a couple head coaches. Is that a valid excuse for his poor play? Because I kind of think it, it really isn't. You know, once we get into that word excuses, I, I think it's just a matter of trying to explain away someone's shortcomings, right? Yeah. And as, as a quarterback, that's the most important position in sports. So a quarterback, your job is to elevate yourself above all of that muck. And unfortunately for Mariota, he hasn't been able to do it. Yeah, there's been different coordinators. You've had lack of weapons. You have, I mean, we could, you want to know everything wrong with the world, <laughs> let alone the Titans? You just, just bring up Mariota's poor play and you'll find everything out. And I'm not being unsympathetic of him. I'm just saying there isn't an excuse. You as a quarterback have to do better and elevate everything around you. You know, Teron, just from watching the Titans, and obviously not nearly as closely as you, you're there at every practice, every game. I'm just sitting watching the games on television. But just from watching it, you know, yes, as Jeff pointed out and you mentioned as well, like there are some issues you could you could talk about Arthur Smith, first-year coordinator there. You could talk about the David defensive-minded head coach. But they have actually tried to put weapons around him. A.J. Brown, second-round pick. Corey Davis, top-five pick. I think most people think Henry's a really good running back. They've spent money on, on two first-round tackles. Now, I'm not saying that's all perfect, 
But at the end of the day, it does feel like the Titans, at least internally, I would think, believe they've given him a shot to succeed. I definitely think they've, believed, they've given him a shot and they believe that. Here's the thing, because you asked... If- Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. If that decision to go to Tannehill is permanent, I don't know that it is permanent, though. I I, I think in that particular game, they were looking for a spark. I think really it's a matter of, okay, let's see how – Mariota bounces back from this adversity. I, I think when they line up against the Chargers, he'll be on the center. It's basically one of those deals where, you know, it's like Showtime at the Apollo, right? Your first joke, if it's not good, Sandman's coming to get you and yank you <laughs> right off the stage. And that's what the deal is with, with Mariota starting this next game. How disappointed have they been in their offensive line, right? You've paid Taylor Luan. You know, Jack Conklin has really fallen off. And then you pay Roger Saffold, who played really well in Los Angeles the last couple of years now, really doesn't seem to be the same type of player. How disappointed are they in that unit? Yeah, they're definitely disappointed in that. And obviously, Luan not being there the first four games didn't help. Dennis Kelly, he played decent in, in his place. The thing that continues to get them, and I would like to get your input on, on this, Jeff, because it's those TE stunts, right? They yeah. just it started in week three of the preseason, Stephon Tewitt and uh, uh, Cameron Hayward, they were able to, to really kind of set the tone on how to go against Saffold. And it was it was a guard center miscommunication, but then you're having a guard tackle miscommunications as well. And it's just continuously happening. So that's something I know they're disappointed in. Roger Saffold, he's known as a guy who is strong, right? And he, he usually is someone that is not susceptible to a bull rush. Well, let me tell you something. Go back and watch the uh, the Bills game. Jordan Phillips smoothly proceeded to put hands on him and escort him back to the quarterback like a, a bouncer taking a rowdy guy out of the club. And that can't happen. And then in addition to that, that Bills game, you saw the spin move that uh, Lorenzo Alexander put on. These are things that can't happen from a to a guy that you're paying this amount. $46 million that they're paying or $44 million. You can't, you can't have that degree of mess up. Well, you know, I'm curious, too, with the Titans, they have the, the blessing of being in a division that's still winnable. I mean, they're 2-4, and four, the two games back, Houston and Indianapolis both playing well. But certainly, look, they've got games left with them, one with Indy, two with Houston. You know, but they have to get it right now. We talked about earlier yeah. in this part. Look, they bring in the Chargers now, who the Chargers are every bit the mess the Titans are. In fact, you could even argue they're even more of a mess. They have a million injuries. They've got to come across the country to come into Nashville you said at the beginning, Theron, that you felt like, hey, look, it's showtime at the Apollo for Mariota. He better start off hot or it's going to go poorly. How long of a leash do you think he has in this game? Honestly, I'm going to say the first three drives is really going to be the determining factor, right? And and even within those drives, I'm not talking about just turning around and handing the football off to Derrick Henry. They're going to need him to show that because now here's the thing, right? I, I just got done 
criticizing Roger Saffold. However, if you look as a group, Mariota has consistently had time in the pocket. But it's just what's happening is he's holding on to the football. He's fleeing. If you look at the Chargers, or not the Chargers, the Broncos game, there were a few times where he had a clean pocket, but he fleeted and ran into pressure. This is something that he's done dating back to Oregon. So but for me, I think it's more than just completing passes. I think it's, it's moving within the pocket better. I think he has to show more decisiveness. And that's the difference between Tannehill and, and Mariota. It's kind of like, you know, picking the prettiest pig, if you ask. <laughs> but still, there is a difference between the two. At least Tannehill, when he gets back there, he knows where he's going with the football. And it's coming out a lot. Last question from me. And I know this is a, a big projection, but it obviously feels like Mariota is not the quarterback of the future in yeah. Tennessee. They're going to be good enough to probably be in that eight-win, nine-win range. What, what is a viable option for them at quarterback next year? Because, you know, at that position, the draft, guys might be gone. Maybe Dak Prescott becomes a free agent. I don't know. But there's not a lot of options. Like, they, they need to almost take the way out to get in the top seven to draft a quarterback. Maybe they dial up your boy, man. You know, <laughs> I believe in Eli. <laughs> Maybe they start singing that song. I, you know, um, draft-wise, uh, there's a guy at Utah State I think can can eventually be good, you know, in Jordan Love. Yeah. I don't know if he's ready immediately. They probably are going to have to bring Tannehill back. Or they could even – we don't know what's going to happen in Cincinnati, right? Andy Dalton is an option. Not a future, but an option, a bridge. So there are some guys I, – I, I tell you one thing they better not do is bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has made a living out of – you know. <laughs> Put a, put a uh, ski mask on him, man, because he's boosted from so many teams. And uh, they whatever they do, they need to have somebody to bridge the gap. But they're not going to be in position to get somebody that could come in and play right away. Well, that would that would be stop number two in Nashville for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Last question real quick. Come the fourth quarter against the Chargers, who's the starting quarterback for the Titans? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say Mariota. I, I believe Mariota is going to play well early in the game, and, and I, I think he is going to be able to buy himself some more time to continue to show whether or not he could be the guy in the future. I, I think he's going to he's going to uh, play in the fourth quarter. Okay, well, Teron, thank you very much. And for everyone listening, you can follow Teron on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. And, of course, you can read all of his great work over at ESPN.com. He is part of a great group of reporters covering the Tennessee Titans. So, Teron, thanks so much for your time, and good luck this weekend covering the game between the Titans and the Chargers. Uh, No problem. I appreciate it, fellas. It's time for In or Out. Good stuff. Let's move on to In or Out. And as we start In or Out, we start with the Chiefs, and specifically we start with Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is no longer the favorite in the MVP race. Jeff, in or out? That he wins the MVP? Um, I, I, I think I'm out. I think Russell Wilson's going to win the MVP. Um, there's no slight to Pat Mahomes. Uh, I just think Russell Wilson's playing at a level that's elite right now, um, and they have a much better defense. Um, they're able to, to kind of take the pressure off them by running the ball a little bit, which the Chiefs can't do. It's really – the Chiefs this year are interesting because – they, they, 
they, they're loved by analytics, right? Who cares about run defense? Who cares about running the ball? But it's not working, folks. Like, balance is what's important. And the Seahawks are balanced. So, Wilson, so I'm going to say out on Pat Mahomes winning the MVP. Yeah, I'm also out, although for me right now, he is a close second. Because you look at these guys, they both have 14 touchdown passes. Mahomes has one pick. Wilson has none. Wilson's completing about 9% more of his throws, but but Mahomes is averaging more per attempt. It's pretty tight. My reasoning is, I agree, like the Seahawks are just right now, they're a better football team around him. I mean, they're just, they're simply better. Now, they don't have the weapons the Chiefs have. And I also throw in this caveat, Mahomes is also the kind of guy who could have one month where he throws 20 touchdown passes and that swings this whole thing because, you know, he, yeah. could, he could do that in December when, it, when the games are getting tighter and everything's ratcheted up yeah. and you're getting, and he could just go berserk and you could say, okay, well, he wins the MVP. But right now, as we stand, I think those guys are one and two. I have Wilson as my number one. The one argument I, I don't get is Deshaun Watson as the MVP. Look, I think Deshaun Watson is a very good player. He is not either one of those guys. I mean, let's, let's call it what it yeah. is. He did not play well in Arrowhead on Sunday. You go look at the tape of that game, two brutal picks. He didn't throw for 300 yards. They, they won because they ran the ball to oblivion. But give me Wilson, yeah. then Mahomes, and then actually my number three would be McCaffrey, but he's not going to win. He's not a quarterback. Watson's completions were a ton of short passes in the game as well. And, and another reason, to your point, Matt, Matt Verderam, uh, the Chiefs throw the ball a ton, 79%. Right now he drops back and throws it, so he's going to have an opportunity to put up enormous numbers. I don't think that's going to change. Let's move on to our second in or out. Kirk Cousins has redeemed himself with his performance versus the Eagles. It's a new Kirk Cousins. Verderam, are you in or out? I'm out because I need to see him do it against a team that can play defense. And Philadelphia's secondary is, is the worst secondary in football right now. It sounds weird to say about a team that you kind of associate with defense, Malcolm Jenkins in the back end, but they've been awful. They can't cover anybody. They're injured. Even when they're not injured, they've struggled. And with Cousins, it's always the same thing. It's, it's the same thing all the time. Can he beat anybody who's got a really good defense? Can he throw up some numbers against – I don't care what he does against the Giants. I don't care what he does against the 32nd-ranked defense. I, you know, when, when he plays really good defenses, and he's going to get a pretty good one this week in Detroit, what does he look like – in those games, I do think that he's kind of gotten the wolves to back off, so to speak. It doesn't feel like two weeks ago when Stephon Diggs was like passively aggressively wanting a trade. But yeah. no, I, I don't. I don't buy into this yet. I I want to see him do it in a big game in a big spot because I've never seen it. All right, let's move on to topic three. Speaking of making the playoffs, what's going to happen in Carolina? The Panthers will make the playoffs with Kyle Allen at quarterback. Jeff Schwartz, are you in or out? Uh, I'm out because Cam Newton will be back after the bye. Uh, the, so if the answer is, will they keep Kyle Allen? So uh, I'll keep him in the game. I, I don't see why the reason is you put Cam in as of right now. But nonetheless, um, a healthy Cam is better than a healthy Kyle Allen. The question obviously is, is Cam going to be 100% healthy moving forward? But I think he'll be back after the bye. Uh, there's already hints about him being healthy now. They're obviously off this weekend after being in London. So I would say uh, uh, I'm out on this. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say that I'm out on the Panthers making the playoffs regardless. It's been a good story, but I just think the NFC is too tough. I think they've got some really hard games ahead of them. So I'll leave it at that. The one thing, though, I will note, remember the year, and as 2015, the Denver Broncos had Peyton Manning in the last year of his career. And I'm not saying that Cam is playing at the level Peyton Manning was that year because that, that's not fair. Peyton was brutal that year. They won because they had a historically great defense. And, of course, 
incidentally, beat Cam and, and the Panthers in the Super Bowl. But I remember when Manning was horrid in a game against Kansas City at home. He threw four or five picks. He got benched. They brought in Osweiler. And then there was this whole trope for a month and a half that Manning was, well, he's hurt. He can't play. He's, he's, he's injured. And then as the season wore on and Osweiler kind of fell apart, Manning magically got well. They went into the playoffs. They had a Cinderella ending. I wonder with the Panthers how much of this is week after week. It's, well, listen, Cam's just not quite there yet. He's just not ready yet. And then when Kyle Allen throws four picks in a game or throws for 120 yards, then Cam is suddenly well. Uh, I, I just I think if you're the Panthers right now, do you just kind of ride this thing a little bit, at least until Cam's 100%. Once he's 100%, I think you put him in regardless. But is he 100%? I don't know. It went from, yo, he's week to week to week to week. Now all of a sudden it's, hey, hey once the buy's done, he's back. You also wonder what camp is that news coming out of? Let's wrap up in or out with the Saints and the 49ers, and specifically the Saints and the 49ers are going to be the top two seeds in the NFC come playoff time. Matt Verderam, in or out, the Saints and the 49ers will be at the top of the NFC. Uh, out. I'll take the Saints. I'll take the Packers. Uh, and, and that is not a knock on the 49ers, who I think, by the way, are really good. They proved themselves to me in L.A. They beat the tar out of the Rams in that game. The Rams could have done. The Rams could have had twelve quarters. They wouldn't score twenty points in that game. The reason I'm out on it is the NFC West is a very, very tough division. And if you look at the 49ers' schedule, the back half that thing's just loaded with tough games. Very tough games. I think the Niners going 10-11 games. Hell, maybe they even win 11 to 12 games. But the Packers, to me, look. Yes, that division's tough. They already won in Chicago. They already beat Minnesota. They 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 were gifted a win in some respects against Detroit. They won the game. They're three and zero in that division already. You look at the AFC West, you say, well, that's going to be tough. Well, right now, going into Arrowhead and playing Kansas City does not appear to be overly difficult. And the Chargers game, my God, that's going to be a home game in Los Angeles. They're going to win that game. So I think the Packers and the Saints, I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC right now. To me, look, they've done all this without Bridgewater. And Jeff and I sat here like dopes a month ago and said, there's no chance. They're never going to make the playoffs with Bridgewater. Well, we're both fools because they've not lost a game. Give them all the credit in the world. I think the Niners are right there in terms of being a good, solid playoff team. I don't think they get one of the top two seats. I say I'm out on this just because there's so many teams in the NFC, I think, that have the possibility of becoming the top two seats, right? I mean, if you said the AFC, this is the Chiefs, and yeah, I'm all in. But look, the fact I'm talking about the Cowboys, on a run, they're talented. Eagles, they can go on a run as well. Um, I'm saying I'm out just because there's so many teams with the option to be the one or two. Time to look forward to our favorite upcoming matchups. All right, let's wrap up, team, with uh, looking looking forward to your favorite games coming up this weekend. And uh, I don't know, Matt Verderamp, you're going to start with the Chiefs on the short week with no, Denver. dear God. You think I'm going to start with that as my favorite game of the week? I'm going to be chugging Pepto-Bismol throughout that game. Yeah. That game is going to make me physically nauseous. So, no, I will not go with that game. Where are you uh, going, big boy? I, I will go Sunday Night Football because the Eagles and the Cowboys, well, that's just high expectations coming into this year. They're two very rabid fan bases. Those games are always given the spotlight because of the, 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 the demographics, where they are, who they are. Whoever loses that game, boy, I'd love to listen to talk radio the next day in those cities. That is going to be Armageddon for whoever loses. You're going to be looking at three and four. Okay, if the Cowboys lose, it's four in a row. If the Eagles lose, it's like, hey, can we ever beat a good team? Lost to the Lions, lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Vikings. They did beat Green Bay, but it seems like that's the anomaly. So I am really, really interested 
in that game. Also, as a quick aside, Colts-Texans. I like that game. I want to see who's the better team in that division at the moment. Jeff, what are you looking forward to in Week uh, 7? Well, a couple of games interest me. I think Bears-Saints. You know, I know we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater now going into Chicago. Bears off a bye. Uh, how crisp are the Bears going to be? Are the Saints for real kind of with this? So I think Seattle-Baltimore for me. I also think lastly, uh, Colts-Texans. An uh, important game for the AFC South. And the Texans obviously carry momentum from their win, and the Colts are off a bye. So over to three games, obviously. And wrapping it up here, I'll actually dovetail off the Saints and the Bears. I think it's a very interesting week for Chicago. You've got a key mix that just was put on injured reserve, which is a huge blow. Kyle Long is done for the year on the offensive side, so you got to see if that offensive line is going to look a whole lot better. And then is Mitchell Trubisky playing or is he not? So a lot of questions for Chicago. Who Even if he dresses, it doesn't mean he's playing. That's No no he, question. He's, I, I, I don't expect him to play. I no, think no, 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 no. I mean, like, even if he's like on the field. He, you never know if Mitchell Trubisky is actually going to play football. It's a, it's a it's a common question. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a, I'm not a Trubisky guy. You know that. However, uh, he has the ability to have a good Mitchell Trubisky game. That's all I'll give him. And it's been a very painful time in Chicago for Bears fans watching Watson and Mahomes duke it out. Even though Deshaun Watson, to your point earlier, Matt Verdam was not great, but. You still won on the road to Kansas City, which I don't think Mitchell Trubisky's ever going to do in his career. Gentlemen, great to be with you this week. Matt Verderham, how do people subscribe and listen and get Stacking the Box for, for life? Well, they go to Google Play. If they have Android, if, if they do not and they have an Apple device, of course, you just go to iTunes. Subscribe to the Stacking the Box podcast. You can follow all three of us on Twitter for Mark Carmen at the Carm, Jeff Schwartz at Jeff Schwartz, and Matt Verderham at Matt Verderham. And if you're seeing this on video, well, then, my God, it's right in front of you. Come on. How lazy could you be? So uh, that is how you get the job done. Of course, you can listen on Spotify as well. Appreciate the time, gentlemen. Jeff, great to see you. Week 7 coming up. We'll be back with you next Tuesday afternoon. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.